Welcome to the Red Dove podcast. Uh, We are female storytellers and our stories center around Black women, mental health, and activism. I'm Rainey. And I'm Liz. In tonight's Spotlight on Activism, we chose to spotlight a group of people that uh, came together as plaintiffs in a lawsuit filed in Oklahoma that includes students, two teachers, BERT, which is the Black Emergency Response Team at the University of Oklahoma, uh, as well as the University of Oklahoma chapter of the American Association of University Professors, the NAACP of Oklahoma, and the American Indian Movement Indian Territory. As plaintiffs, they're suing over Oklahoma's ban on critical race theory. As we've mentioned before um, and elsewhere, right now, like a big thing with activism in the education field is to provide a better education curriculum. And then we have the GOP spearheading it for the most part, a lot of fear mongering and hate surrounding the changes of uh, these new diversity equity initiatives within our curriculum. And their new like catchphrase to scare people is they're calling it, well, it's CRT and like CRT is here to destroy America and just a lot of fear. And that's what was going on in Oklahoma as well. And these groups of educators and civil rights groups are challenging Oklahoma. It has a new law limiting public school teachings on race and gender issues in court. It literally said, you are not allowed to teach CRT. So like spotlight these groups of individuals. Cause again, this is like hyper local grassroots. We have several different organizations and teachers. And then the ACLU in Oklahoma stepped in and they're also facilitating and helping the plaintiffs through this lawsuit. But before they came, it was just a group of like-minded individuals living in the same area that said, like, for lack of a better phrase, enough is enough. Not only is it a cool story of like, you know, coalitions of grassroots individuals coming together, but it's to also spotlight like what's going on in Oklahoma and elsewhere when they're saying that it's CRT, you know, it's out to destroy America. Like, I mean, even if I didn't know anything, I might be like, oh, I don't, wow, I don't, I don't know, like destroy America, why? Yeah, maybe. But then when you actually like dig in to see what they're actually talking about, like for Oklahoma, for example, they have banned the teaching of To Kill a Mockingbird. Oh, my God. I like don't people understand like the idea of book censorship. I just I hate it so much. I mean, like it's Fahrenheit 451. Right. You can't ban education. You can't ban books like that. I mean, it's, it's freedom of thought. It's the exchanging of ideas and you start banning those things. I mean, it's just downhill. Like I, I, I personally absolutely do not believe in censorship. Like I believe in age appropriate things, like don't get me wrong, but I don't believe in censoring at all. I think that that is a terrible precedence to set. And that's what's creeping in at the fringes, but it's getting more and more across the country. And I think that if this is something like me that you have an issue with, a really great uh, way to start a conversation around these issues is to point to this, to point to Oklahoma and say, 
do you realize when they say we're banning CRT that they're taking away to kill a mockingbird? Like I personally, and I understand that I have a bias and a privilege living in like the Northeast, but in this area saying to kill a mockingbird, that's not controversial literature from where I'm from. And maybe that can be a common point for you as well, wherever you live to have like productive conversations about what's going on in board of education and education in general right now in America. So we wanted a spotlight that because it's definitely, it's a, it's a huge war right now going on and it's being defended a lot in part by grassroots local groups. So that's our spotlight on activism. Keep following what's going on with Oklahoma. Hopefully it'll get overturned. Well done. I mean, keep it up. Keep fighting the good fight. As listeners know, I, Rainy, am from California. And if you have been watching the news at all lately, um, you'll know that our governor, uh, Governor Gavin Newsom, just survived a recall attempt. So um, conservatives in our state tried to recall him and tried to put Larry Elder in his place. And um, readers, <laughs> excuse me, listeners will remember uh, Larry Elder. And hopefully you guys are just as disgusted as I was. Um, <laughs> I absolutely love when, you know, really conservative parties shove black people in our faces and like, well, they're black, right? Like, this is progressive. You're like, no, 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 no. That's not what we're talking about. (laughs) Move along. So he survived it with no issues. A lot of us kind of knew that was going to happen because I don't see California going red anytime. I mean, knock on wood, but. Is that a uniquely California thing, this recall? Yeah, we've done it a lot, right? (laughs) You have. Yeah, you have. California. (laughs) We like, is that, is that a California thing you can, so what they were doing, they're basically what, like, we're done with you. We want a new governor, even though it's not a regularly scheduled election. No, which just wasted so many taxpayer dollars. I mean, mm-hmm. he's up for re-election in 2022. Wow. You guys recall it crazy over there. We do. I think because we have a very, very loud minority here that I don't know why they think that they're going to take over California. Um, But, you know, we have like some very red areas, like, you know, the area I'm from is pretty red. Orange County is historically pretty red, but that's no match for San Francisco, Los Angeles, San Jose, San Diego. I mean, we're the most populated state in the union. And you know, we have the highest concentration of, you know, kind of left minded blue states. So they keep trying. <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, what was it? It was, gosh, what, 15 years ago when we had that circus of a governor race with, I think we had like two actors, a couple porn stars, like, it was, yes, it was you, insane. You're responsible for Ronald Reagan. We are, and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, I'm sorry, but yeah, you did, you did that. <laughs> but you know what? It was because he was married to Maria Shriver. So we're like, we're like, well, <laughs> it. <laughs> oh my God. Um, yeah, so Governor Newsom survived his recall. 
like we all knew he would. And since he survived it, this man has been giving no fucks at all. This dude has been signing <laughs> legislation left and right. And I am so here for it. So I wanted to talk to you a little bit about what he's been signing into place. Some of it has me scratching my head a little bit. Some of the, I was like, I don't know, but a lot of it is really moving towards social justice and criminal reform, uh, you know, like the jail reforms and things like that. The yes. biggest thing that Governor Newsom signed into law is ethnic studies is now a high school requirement for all graduating high school seniors. Wow. So California high school students have to take a one semester course in ethnic studies to get a diploma starting in the 2029-2030 school year. So we've got, you know, about eight years to implement that. But it's the first in the nation to list ethnic studies as a graduation requirement for all public high school students. Outstanding. So the new law requires all public schools in the state to offer at least one ethnic studies course starting in the 2025-2026 school year. And by the time those students, so the freshmen in the 2025-2026 school year, will have to have had that one course, uh, one semester course by the time they graduate in the 2029 2030 school year. Congratulations. The whole state. The whole state. Massive. How we implement ethnic studies is still up for debate. So I think that, you know, uh, I think they're being given to school districts to decide like what curriculum needs to be used because honestly, I've kind of taken a look at the ethnic studies um, proposed curriculum and it is a lot. It is almost it's it's too much i think it needs to be honed in a little bit more and you know it's it's important it's obviously super important but also we have to remember that these are still students and we can't put college level courses on them they threw the kitchen sink in yeah it's like everything yeah. it's not saying that everybody doesn't deserve to be represented because everyone definitely does but i don't know if we need to go into as great of detail as the plan currently is it's who's running the plan oh um i know that assemblyman jose medina off- authored the legislation and says that schools are ready to offer courses that are more reflective of social justice but um i believe the secretary of the education department is the one who kind of spearheaded it. And I know that he worked, I think his name is Thurmond. I should know this because I teach in California. But <laughs> the name is escaping me. I had a long day at school today. <laughs> but yeah, so I'm excited about that. The only thing I'm bummed about is I think that it's going to be a social studies credential that you have to have for it. Not an English credential. Oh, so I might have to go back and get my social studies credential just so I can teach it. Yeah, why not? Yeah, which or maybe they'll have an ethnic studies credential, which would be really cool. What do you want? Do you want a statewide curriculum or do you want individual school districts to come up with their own? I think I'd like a combination. I would like individual school districts to come up with their own so they can really focus on the thing, focus on things that happen locally too. Mm -hmm. But I also think that there needs to be some sort of guideline to make sure that you're hitting certain standards. Right. So yeah, I think that the counties or the districts should be free to kind of 
do what that what they may but you know they also have to hit certain things so you can't have like super conservative districts are like oh we're not going to teach it at all or we're going to teach something stupid and ridiculous like no you have to hit these things but how you hit it and how you want to tell those stories is more up to your district and more up to the teachers who will be teaching it why do you think it's going to take eight years to implement this i think you have to get it on the A through G requirements for high school, which takes a while. You know, um, you have to get the credentials. We don't, we still don't know which teachers will be credentialed for it. New hires, outsiders, or just bring people in? Well, it's more like, is it a social studies credential that's allowed to teach it? Is it a English credential, right? So, you know, in secondary schools, like you know, high school, um, you have to have a certain type of credential to teach certain things. I like your idea of having a whole new credential. I mean, if God, if you're going to take eight years, how about like a whole new credential for ethnic studies? Right. I think they should like an ethnic studies or social justice credential. Cause it's in history. Is there so much of like critical thinking? Cause that's what it, you, you need to have that. Component. Yeah, I mean, I really think like ethnic studies could be a combination of social studies and English. Agreed. You know, so I, I think that you could make the case for both. But, you know, it almost could be like a cultural anthropology type of thing, too. It's really, you could go a lot of, or sociology, you could go a lot of different places with it. That's the, and that's the, the problem with what they propose now is like, you're not really doing anything justice, because you're just barely touching on everything right like you're, you're trying to zoom you're trying to hit everybody that you're just going a mile a minute and it's like well what am I even gaining from this yeah exactly and for this to work it needs to be really thoughtful and you need to make sure that students are understanding and you don't want to overload them you don't like you said like students will not sit and you know if you try to give them all of the information it won't work what do you think about what we did in Jersey? Like, I love you, what you did in Jersey. I do. Like, would that be appropriate? Like, I mean, I like the fact that it's like completing the history that we know or that we've been taught in the past, excuse right. me, completing it and then also ending it with like the modern day. What do you I, like? Think about I that? absolutely love the way you guys did that. I think for us in California, the only problem with that curriculum is it is African-American instead of ethnic. Mm. And I think in California, they're going to want it more broad. They're going to want it, you know, because we have such a diverse population out here too. Mm -hmm. Um, They're going to want, you know, Chicano studies and they're going to want Asian studies and Asian Pacific Islander studies, which all of it deserves to be represented, you know, and, you know, indigenous people, you know, we have so many so many horrors that happen to indigenous people on the West coast. So that's a whole history that could be an entire course, just like the African-American studies history course, but then so could the treatment and how, you know, uh, Asian Americans contributed to California history and American history in general. So yes, it would be a lot, which it's not that it shouldn't happen, but it would be like, you couldn't have that many classes. Well, let me ask you this. What are they trying to get out of it. I think the goal for an ethnic studies course is, you know, I, you know, I use this, my favorite phrase ever, you know, opening windows and showing mirrors, right? You said that uh, for our parents' university, but I don't know if Red Dove oh, listeners oh. have heard this. 
So in teaching, we have this phrase, uh, windows and mirrors. And so in education, our job is to open windows for students to see and experience and understand other people's lives that don't look like them. And we're also supposed to hold up mirrors so they can see themselves reflected in what they're learning. And too often, the mirrors have been for white children and the windows have been for children of color, which does a disservice to both, right? Children of color do not see themselves reflected in their curriculum. And white children don't see windows into other lives. So they don't understand that how diverse everything is around them. They don't understand these histories, you know, like Juneteenth, that's something my family's always celebrated, but, you know, people didn't really understand it until it was signed into law that it's a national holiday, but that's something again, there, that's an opportunity for a window for white children and a mirror for black children. Right. You know, or uh, Diwali or Diwali, I think is coming up soon. Um, I didn't learn about that until I started working at my school. Uh, I've never heard of that holiday and it's a gorgeous holiday. So those, those students who celebrate that, they have no mirrors, you know, and we have no windows into understanding what that means, you know, Eid, uh, you know, the, the Muslim holiday and, and when, you know, they fast for Ramadan. I didn't really understand that until I became a teacher and I had students in my classroom who were, you know, going through that. And we know all about Christmas. We know all about Easter. But when it comes to these other things that other American citizens are doing in their homes, non-Christian, yeah, non-Christian, we have no idea. And we look at it like it's something weird or something completely foreign when it's just as American as apple pie and watching football on Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And anybody who says it's not American needs to take an ethnic studies course. <laughs> and that's for you. So, so I think ethnic studies is a lot about that. And it, again, it is also helping to make connections and realizing that, you know, history is absolutely riddled with contributions of people outside of Protestant straight white men. What? I know, I know, I know. It's scary enough. I know we were, a lot of us were there too. Most of us were also there. <laughs> Some people were there before the white Christian men came. Right. <laughs> and it's important for people to understand that. I wonder if they'll ask the, the student populace what they would want to learn. I know that's something that they did in this in our town. But again, like you said, it's a town versus a whole state. Right. I know in the city I work in the district, a lot of the students have been saying that they want that. So they've been pushing for African-American history uh, class as well. And so they've made some of them, but it hasn't been a requirement for graduation. It's been an elective. Right. That's the problem. And that's the thing. The students are like, everybody should have to understand this. Well, first of all, it's the studies are already coming out that uh, African-American students in particular, um, there's a positive correlation between their mental health and these types of studies or excuse me, classes in schools. So there's that, that's enough reason right there. Another reason is we're improving the curriculum. You know better, you know something, what, what is it? You know better than you'll do better. Yeah, you know better, you do better. So I think it's like, as we get more educated and times are changing as a whole, the majority of us 
are asking for improvements in this curriculum. There's major pieces that are just being left out and it's not accurate. And we're, we are graduating individuals that, that can't think that they're just being taught to take a standardized test, mm-hmm. especially in public schools. Absolutely. So we have generations lost by Betsy DeVos's DeVos's leadership. So, oh, you know, and if fuck so- that lady. <laughs> I knew I needed Fuck yeah. that. God, I, I, God, she was worse than Trump in some ways. Like I hated her when I found out, I was like, well, how about we all just quit as teachers? Like, I mean, like even on the teacher pages I was on, like, even, you know, there are a lot of teachers who are like, oh, I love Trump. And, you know, like, oh, I hate Trump, but everybody, everybody, no matter what your political affiliation, all teachers fucking hate Betsy DeVos. You should do a whole episode. Oh my God. I'll, my blood will boil. My blood will actually boil with what she did to the school systems. And I mean, like, she's like Norcross on fucking steroids. Yeah. He wishes he was her. (laughs) She's like villain, like goals. Yeah, right. If you're going to be a villain, right? Like, yeah, definitely that. She's on your wall. There's a poster of her on your wall. Yeah, right. Like, she's like the Maleficent of all of, like, yes, (laughs) the villains. Like, all right, that's it. We will do a future episode. It's too good. You're just going to listen to Rainy just being triggered in the background. (laughs) So, yeah, it's not like a plot to destroy America. It's a plot to do better. (laughs) And we're kind of on the forefront with a lot of things right now. Um, So one of the things that Newsom just did is he signed into law uh, that the state will ease gang enhanced sentence rules. So he's limiting prison terms for those associated with street gangs. It's among a lot of different criminal justice bills that are restricting enhancements that can add years to offender sentences. So naysayers of this bill are like, oh, you're going to put criminals out on the street. But our prison system is really, really backed up. Like just about a decade ago, our prisons were bursting. We had so many people. And in America, we have more people in prison, in prison per capita than anywhere else in the world. Because we put, we lock people away, you know, and we know that we had the war on drugs, which was really just a war on black men. And, mm-hmm. you know, the three strikes rule really, really harmed the black and Latino communities out here. And so Newsom is working really hard to reduce those criminal penalties to relax tough on crime policies that, you know, basically jammed our prisons with people just 10 years ago, right? And and finding new and healthier ways because, you know, breaking up families, destroying families, these prison sentences are out of control, you know? And again, it's not that I don't believe that people who do bad things should go to, shouldn't go to prison, but it needs to be more fair. And it hasn't been fair for a long time when you know that, you know, people of color are criminalized for the same crimes as their white counterparts at much higher rates. And you can see that in our jails, you know, something has to give. So taking those mandatory sentence rules away helps ease some of that. Capitalism. Uh, right? <laughs> right. Like the jailing. Yeah. It's totally capitalism, especially the, the uh, for-profit 
private mm-hmm. well we could go on and on but like we were talking about that off air as like how well we geez it's like where to begin <laughs> but yeah i'm sorry i didn't mean to like interrupt you oh yeah not at all. i mean you're absolutely right i mean and this is a major problem across the country but i mean again as california is the most populous state in the union it serves to reason that we also have the most prisons and the most people in prison mm-hmm. and you know it it's a drain on our system and it just it, it doesn't work and also kind of along lines with that um what he did do also which i really loved was to help um protect people so we have something that's on the rise called ghost guns do you know what ghost guns are i'm picturing it's something like space ghost would use Space Coast, Coast, Space Coast, Coast, Coast. Coast. Remember that? That was the. Sh- Do you remember the one? Was it? Was it? Oh shoot! Was it? It wasn't. It wasn't Coolio. Was it somebody? And they and he and Space Goose got really high, and they were like in a grocery store. Do you remember that one? Yes, I <laughs> well, this is not that, but oh, oh okay, okay. Thank okay. you for taking me down memory lane. <laughs> No, so ghost guns, what they are, they're guns that are assembled from parts and other guns, so they might not be registered or purchased through dealers. So what he did is he added ghost guns to violence prevention orders. So if you have a domestic violence restraining order or some sort of other violence prevention order, ghost guns weren't on those orders. So now he put them on. So you can't have a ghost gun if you have a restraining order. Nice. Okay. Which is good because, you know, when you're dealing with domestic violence, that's a scary thing. Right. And, you know, is a piece of paper going to protect you? Ultimately, no, but you also have a lot more recourse if you find out, right? Like it it just puts the law more on people's side so they can take action to try to protect themselves as much as possible. Excellent. So I was really like that one. He also has a limit. He signed into order uh, that he's limits some workplace secret settlements for harassment and discrimination. So in 2018, um, we had a California law that banned secret settlements that involve sexual harassment or discrimination or assault. So you can't secretly settle those. Everybody knows exactly who the fuck you are and what you've done. Nice. Which I like. So a new law, it bans secret settlements in most workplace harassment and discrimination cases. So you can't hide under your workplace anymore. If it happens in the workplace, everybody knows it's a public thing. You can't settle in secret anymore and continue the abusive behavior. So I love calling people out for the bullshit that they're doing. And yeah, you get to live with that scarlet letter on your chest. It's also like you can't be a super predator. You can't like go to another company and, you know, this violence is hidden. Right. It's protecting more uh, potential victims or survivors from that type of abuse. That's awesome. Right. Exactly. He just kind of went like balls to the walls, huh? Every liberal thing I can do. He really did, which I think this is also, I got to double check. I don't know if it affects it, but I think hopefully this will also help with law enforcement, right? You know, cause that's what happens in law enforcement. You have corrupt cops that get shuffled 
from place to place. But in California, it's not quite as bad. In California, I think they take it a little more seriously in other places. Like I know there are certain counties that they'll just fire your ass. Like they're like, you're not worth the lawsuit. I am shocked that you're talking about some sort of like corruption in (laughs) cops. This is news to me. Workplace harassment and discrimination and assault. Never. What? No, I I know. I know. I mean, never mind my ex-husband, but (laughs) (laughs) I know. Crazy, crazy. Right. Mm. So I hope that really works. And so those are some, you know, more of like on the criminal side of things, but he also has been doing some interesting ones. These ones are ones that I was like, oh, okay. Like, um, (laughs) he, for some reason he rejected decriminalizing jaywalking, which, you know, it it kind of makes me laugh. I'll tell you a story. One time I was in downtown Los Angeles and I was with uh, a good friend of mine. Like, and so the light was about to turn and I was like, oh, let's just hurry up and run across. And he grabbed my arm. He's like, they will not stop for you. (laughs) And I was like, what? He was like, I would not stop for you. You stay out of that crosswalk. You don't jaywalk. Wow. Do not jaywalk. In the crosswalk. No, no, no. It's outside of the crosswalk. Like if your ass is not in the crosswalk, they will snatch you up with a quickness. Like they don't play. I think it's probably because like, you know, if you've ever driven in Southern California, at the very least, it's a very aggressive place for driving. (laughs) Like it is, I don't like driving in Los Angeles because I get really like, I'm a defensive driver and that doesn't work in Los Angeles. You have to be a very aggressive driver and the way our road systems are and the traffic. Let's just say, I remember one time I had to drive into downtown LA at like Tuesday night at like 6 PM. And by the time I got to where I was going, I was going to like a a political rally or whatever. I had to go and buy a new shirt because I sweated through my armpit so bad. I was like knuckling it the whole time. It was (laughs) so bad. I was like, everyone and everyone was honking at me and it was so aggressive. And I was like, I hate everything about this. Like, (laughs) you know, everybody's aggressive and also everybody goes 30, 40 miles over the speed limit. Oh my God. So when I picked you up, I was like going exactly the speed limit. And I was just like, you're going so slow. You're like, oh no, this is a speed trap. I was like, you probably get pulled over for holding traffic up in Southern California. (laughs) We look at the speed limits as like a friendly suggestion that everyone's like, you're cute. Maybe if it's raining, I'll go that speed. Uh, So that is something that he did. Also, California did something really cool. So all of our phone bills went up and I know that sounds like, why is that cool? They have an extra tax on phones to fund high speed internet. So like landline users pay more of the tax and cell phone customers do, but um, they're helping to fund high speed internet to make sure that everybody has access to it, especially in this state of uncertainty. Like you know, you turn around and I've been watching on the news anyways, that more and more schools are having to shut down because of teacher shortages and Mm. have moved to remote learning because of COVID outbreaks. Students have to have internet access and people now have to have internet access. It's becoming more of a civil rights issue, not Mm -hmm. a luxury issue. Like you have to have the internet to function in this day and age. So in order to make sure everybody can have that, there's a tax on phones which honestly, I'm happy to pay. I don't mind. 
I really don't like if that, if that makes sure that, you know, a bunch of kids can still go to school online and won't miss out. I don't care. Charge me an extra $3 a month. That's fine. Landline and cell phone or like, how's that work? Yeah. Landline users pay more than cell cell phone. Yeah. Cell phones. We also pay a little bit more, but not as much as landline users, which my parents have a landline, but I can't think of any, like, I, I don't have a landline. Not anymore. Right. I, yeah. So I was like, ah, that's not, that's not a big deal. And then the last thing I want, oh, two more things. So, oh, this was something that I thought was really cool and creative. We were talking about this off air. Some parents now will be able to join their adult children's health insurance plan. So, you know, before it was, you can have your adult children on your health insurance plan until sometimes 26, but California is the first state to let some adult children add parents as dependents on their insurance plan. So the trend nationally, right, has been to let children linger on their parents' health insurance plan, but now we're going in the other direction. So the law right now only applies to people who purchase their health insurance on the individual market, but I think that sets a good precedent. Yeah. Especially in older age and stuff like having, you know, my grandmother be able to go on my mom's health insurance. Right. Like right. I think yeah. So I, I, I like it. I think that's really cool. I'm, I'm glad that governor Newsom is taking these progressive excessive bills that he's just, he's just shooting them out like left and right. Like, I love it. He really is like all of these have been signed like in the last like month or two. This dude is just like, no fucks given, no fucks given. He's like, you get a bill, you get a bill. Everybody gets a bill. (laughs) He drops the mic. I know, right? It's great. I mean, some of them, like I've heard some people like he also passed a bill that uh, is going to ban gas powered lawnmowers. Oh and he's trying, yeah. <laughs> Imagine some people are like, wait, like, wait, <laughs> wait, what? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that one was a little <laughs> weird. Like I can kind of understand why people are like the fuck dude. Um, now I'm he's like, just coming after me. Like, yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Like the guys who like, they spend yeah. their Sundays just on yes. their gas powered yes. moat. They're like, fuck you, Newsome. <laughs> Thank you. <Hill. laughs> Uh, you know, to just lower our carbon emissions, because, you know, our carbon emissions out here are pretty bad. And he's trying to move toward where we don't produce gas powered vehicles anymore. We're moving more toward electric and clean energy uh, vehicles. So you can imagine there are a lot of people who are not happy about that either. Oh, boy. Right. And I'm like, upset people with their big trucks. (laughs) It, what are they, how are they gonna the, the, the trump flag would tip the car over like, oh my god <laughs> could you imagine one of those big ass trump flags on a prius <laughs> yes he's like recall me again bitches right <laughs> that's awesome we don't usually get like a lot of upbeat stories yeah. and that's really cool to see like you know the big changes that, that are going and California historically California and New Jersey like if you look from a legal perspective have always been like the first yeah. to do something you know so congratulations California Woo-hoo. look at Woo-hoo. me saying thank you like I did anything <laughs> <laughs> like you're welcome <laughs> no problem <laughs> 
Well, if you enjoyed this episode, please give us five stars on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us out. Until next time.